Welcome to another episode of Digging Deeper. This is a podcast of Perimeter Church, and I'm your host, Jeff Norris. I also get to uh, to pastor, a great privilege and joy to pastor Perimeter Church, but also to host this podcast and to, to bring in outside experts who can help me and hopefully help you think through important topics from a biblical perspective, from a Christian and biblical worldview, and to help us think as kingdom people, as we consider uh, sometimes in these episodes some really difficult topics and issues and others that are maybe not so difficult, but uh, at least interesting and perhaps challenging. And so today I'm joined uh, by some very good friends of mine who actually are here at Perimeter, members of Perimeter. How long have Jeff and Shanti Feldhahn, how long have you been at Perimeter? 2010? Yeah, 12 years. Yeah. 12 years. Yeah. And you may recognize that name just because uh, they have done lots of research and produced quite a few materials uh, on this topic that we're going to be discussing today, which is marriage, uh, but on other things as well. Um, Jeff and Shanti as a team are pretty dynamic, and then Shanti does a fair amount of the writing and speaking, but then Jeff is right there with her as well. They've informed me that um, uh, Shanti is, tends to be a little quicker on her toes. Jeff is the deep thinker over here. <laughs> Don't and, believe uh, that one. He's, and he is, the, he is the deep thinker. But. No, I didn't say slow. <laughs> deep thinker. Deep thinker. Um, so uh, anyway, what a team you guys are. And thanks for being here. Thanks for, oh, for joining, joining us. We're delighted. Thanks, yeah. Yeah. So, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to jump in. And typically, uh, at least in my circles, especially when you're talking about a sermon, you start with the theological, maybe even the psychological, and you eventually move, hopefully, by the end of the sermon or the end of the book or whatever it is you're working on, to the practical. I want to flip that today. Okay, I want to start with the practical, and we'll get to some of the theological, uh, but uh, I want us to start with some of those things that, uh, that just off the bat, if, we're, if you're married, you feel it. You go, oh, yeah, I'm not the only one? Okay, I'm listening. But nobody right? has problems in their marriages, no, Jeff. No, of course Never. not. I don't. I, I, I mean, you know. Never. Uh, all right, so here's, you said something. We were meeting a couple of days ago talking about this podcast. And Shanti, you said something that, that, that stuck out to me. And I wrote it down here. You said most problems aren't because of big issues mm -hmm. in our marriages. Um, it's mostly and usually because of the little things that we're missing about one another with one another. Um, so let's start there. Talk to me about that. What are what are some of those little things that in your research and uh, the amount of time you guys have delved into and even in your own marriage, right? Uh, not even in your research, but just life experience. <laughs> what are some of those little things? You know, it's it's interesting the the premise so many people have, and I think we probably did too, is that is this concept that you know the issues mostly come from like the big ticket stuff, you know, right? Like somebody was abused as a kid and mm -hmm. it's coming out in their life now or somebody has an addiction in some way and it's impacting the marriage and all those things do exist sure. obviously yeah. but that's not at all the majority of the issues it's the way that we have seen and now it's been 18 years of research 18 18 
in all these years, mm. and we've done um, 12 big kind of nationally representative studies of men and women and marriage, that kind of thing, the pattern that we've seen over and over again is that it's usually the day-to-day little stuff, not the mm. big stuff. It's yeah. the day-to-day little stuff that happens because you have a you have a husband and a wife, like in a marriage context, you have a husband and a wife who are both like trying really, really hard. They're yeah. both making an effort. They both care. And yet they don't understand something about how the other person is wired. They don't realize that something is down deep underneath the surface. And so they're trying hard in the wrong areas. Mm. And it's kind of like you're missing each other. You're not... You're not making each other feel cared for in yeah. kind of the way you think you should after all my hard work. Yeah, and <laughs> and you know if if uh, couples, you know, we're big big fans of counseling, and one of the things that counselors oftentimes tell couples is you just need to talk about it. Mm-hmm. You need to talk about mm-hmm. these things. And when I would hear that, I would be like, "What do you mean? Yeah, I don't know what's going on inside of Shanti." I don't even know what's going on inside of myself. I can't articulate it. Right. So how can I talk what about it? What do I talk it? about? Yeah. <laughs> and and where you're going with this on the practical things is for every single one of us, what we really want is to be happy in mm. our marriages, in yeah. our relationships. We want peace. Yeah. And it's oftentimes these little things, the little practical things that you can do that lead to that. Yeah. Well, and it's it's the key is there's actually two pieces of that puzzle. One is that we're trying hard and we don't realize we're trying hard in the wrong areas. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, we're trying hard and sometimes we're actually like hurting each other mm-hmm. and would never like intend to. We just don't know how that hits somebody down deep just because we don't understand certain things. And the key that we see is when you know some of this little stuff, the simple little things that you didn't know about the other person, which are often uh, gender related, not always, but Mm -hmm. often there's Mm -hmm. often a thing there. When you know some of that stuff, suddenly you're trying hard, but you're trying hard in the right areas. Mm. And suddenly stuff that was like a slog or why did that make him so mad or nothing I do is ever good enough for her. Like those kinds of feelings that kind of come up, suddenly that stuff just doesn't come up as often. Mm. And you do have much more of the peace in your home. Well, and (laughs) if you do have those big issues in your marriage that Shanti talked about earlier, Mm. once you kind of get the little things kind of builds the goodwill in the relationship that you can tackle the big things sure. together. Yeah. You guys have been married how long? 27 years. 27 years. That's what years. I was going to say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up on 28, actually. Yeah, quick, quick on your toes. Yeah. Deep thinker. Deep thinker. <laughs> Not slow thinker, deep thinker. Um, you know, Rachel and I will celebrate 21 years um, very soon. Cool. August 4th, which uh, by the time this comes out may already have passed. Um and, uh, Which is also my birthday, by the way. Is it? Just FYI. Well, happy, not that you need it. Happy to know, early but birthday. Yes. Um, happy anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we, uh, you know, one of the things that occurs to me as I'm listening to you guys is, you know, yes, of course, I think about uh, our marriage and I think about the number of times when we've had significant disagreements uh, over the last 20 years. We, we can, a lot of times we look back and laugh at how small the issue was that we had a massive fight over, right? 
Um, uh, but, but so there's that piece. I'll come back to that. Uh, when you talk about we're trying really hard, but we're missing each other, mm-hmm. right? A couple of things that I hear. One is, well, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you guys, seriously, experts on this. We're missing each other because we we don't understand one another, mm-hmm. right? And and we perhaps again, I think we don't feel understood either by our Often, spouse, yeah. right? I, I'm I'm not understanding where you're coming from, but then I don't feel like you understand me, and I, and I think the danger of where that can land is okay. So so I'm going to stop trying hard, right? Okay, I, I've been you, trying hard, but we've been missing each other. Oh, you so feel now futile just, after now a I'm while. Now I'm just stopping. I'm yeah. not, I'm not even going to try anymore. And so that's when it gets really dangerous. Yeah, is when you have one spouse or both spouse spouses saying, okay, I'm just you know we'll just coexist. So here's. Here's the the thing that I'm passionate about and that Jeff and I are both passionate about. I can't tell you the number of times where we have been at a speaking engagement or we've been, you know, somewhere recording something because, you know, we travel and speak and do all this kind of stuff. This is our full time gig. And I can't tell you the number of times someone has come up to me and told me a story like, for example, I bought your book in the airport bookstore. I was flying home to divorce my husband, Mm. read this and got off the plane and went, oh my gosh, like I just had no idea. I've been hurting him so much or whatever. Those aren't stories you just put in a book because they sound good. Like that actually happens. This actually happens. I know it's weird. (laughs) That's awesome. It's crazy. It's incredible. Well, here's why I'm passionate about this, where someone says this saved our marriage. Mm. If a 200 page book can save a marriage, there's a whole lot of unnecessary divorces going on. Mm. And it's literally because they didn't have hope because they tried and tried and tried and tried and tried. And they just didn't realize like, for example, and I know we can get into this if you want, like the average wife. I mean, this was totally me right before I started the research. Like, well, we're not counselors. We're not therapists. I didn't mm-hmm. know this stuff. Mm-hmm. But like the average wife who's trying so hard to love her husband well and trying so hard to say and do things that convey how much she adores him. And at the same time, doesn't realize that she's like, why did you send the kids out without your coat? Their coats. It was so cold outside. Mm. Or she, she has no idea that like feeling like she loves him. That's nice. That's, that's not that that's bad. That's good. But what he's longing for is to hear, thank you for mowing the lawn when Mm. it was so hot outside, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like a completely different type of affirmation. And so suddenly she Mm. goes, oh, and you know, Mm. we understand why, which we can get into. Why does that matter so much? And suddenly she gets off the plane and she's like, let me try this instead. And holy cow, look what just happened in our marriage. And it's the simplest, stupidest stuff Mm. that doesn't have to cause problems. Yeah. And, and it's not stupid. We think it's stupid. Well, right. no, I mean, yeah. it's stupid for it to cause marriages to fall apart oh, right, just because right, of right. the lack yep. of information. Well, it's and, just... Yeah. And mm. here's what I found. When when Shanti was first doing the research for the book that became Four Women Only, you know, it would start out by us, you know, kind of just talking with other couples that we knew over dinner. And she'd say, you know what I'm finding? Shanti would say... And it didn't matter whether the couple had been married six months or 20 years. As she was describing what she was learning about men, the women would go, are you kidding me? Mm. Really? Mm. And 
both me and the other guy would be sitting there going, really? How could they not know this? And that was, <laughs> for me, one of the big things because I just assumed Shanti knew what I needed and was choosing to make me crazy. <laughs> I, I thought it was on purpose that she was, you know, whatever it was. And, and it works the other way in reverse. Oh, of course. Like yeah. there's so many of us that are like, how can he not know? Well, yeah. we don't. Like okay, we so, just don't know. So let's talk about what yeah. are some of those things? What what are you know, when you when you think about personal conversations you've had with other couples, when you think about what you've written in your books with your research. What are those things that a listener right now might be going, oh, oh goodness, what am I doing? I, I'm doing it, and I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah, so the most important, this is what we always say, like if you remember one thing, remember this one. <laughs> the most important, most foundational little stuff that's getting in the way is we don't realize that in general, men and women tend to have two different sets of insecurities running mm. under the surface, two mm. different sets of primary insecurities, the kind of thing that's like a, a knee-jerk reaction. Because we're, like I mean, we're all insecure earth. about everything. Oh, yeah. To some you degree. Know, but yeah. on the primary yeah. level is yeah. what Shanti's talking about. It's the about. stuff that's the raw nerve, really. Yeah. And the, the issue that what we don't understand often, we've seen this over and over and over in all of these surveys, which, by the way, just so you know, this isn't like um, – these aren't informal surveys. We spend right. a lot of time and money and effort to mm -hmm. get these big nationally representative surveys. But what we've seen over and over is that for about 75 to 85% of men and 75 to 85% of women, depending on which survey we're talking about, women's question tends to be sort of the, am I lovable mm. kind of that insecurity, that vulnerability, am I special? Am I worthy of being loved for who I am on the inside? Mm. Like that's down in there. Yeah. And so we love to feel loved and we love to hear, hear I love you and all that stuff. Mm. And there's a bunch of stuff we can talk about there that really makes an impact. A lot of women are really surprised to find out that for men, that's not actually hitting things in any particularly special way yeah. because they have a completely different question and their question under the surface isn't, am I lovable? It's, am I able, mm. am I adequate? Like, do I measure up? Right. Mm. And the, the key difference, if a woman's question is, am I, am I lovable, worthy of being loved for who I am on the inside? A guy is always asking under the surface, am I any good at what I do on the mm. outside? Mm. And, and so and, it lends and, itself to a completely different need. Totally. And, and yeah. in both of these cases, it's not necessarily something that we're even conscious of. Yeah. You know, oh, as no. the guy or the woman. No. You know, I'm not conscious of the fact that I want Shanti to admire me or appreciate me or whatever. It's it's just somehow baked into who I am yeah. and it's just there. The same as the am I lovable is just there. And it usually can be just kind of hanging out there mm. until it gets triggered. triggered. Yeah, And that's the issue. You know, it's, it's so true what you guys are saying. And I'm just even thinking about my own marriage and, and how I've, I've, um, I've told Rachel before and she knows this and she does, she's grown so much in this and then vice versa. It's not just about her me. I mean, there's so many things that I used to uh, really struggle with. And of course I'm, Gosh, we're always fighting to to grow in all this. But early in our marriage, just not realizing how to make her feel loved, mm -hmm. right? 
and us working through doing the hard work of getting to those deeper places underneath the insecurities to, to address how do I love you? Right. Well, what I was going to say real quick oh, yeah. is I've told Rachel, I could have, after I preach a sermon, I could have a hundred people come up to me mm. and say, that was a fantastic sermon. Thank you. It blessed me in this way and yada, yada. And when you said this and so forth, and certainly that will mean something and it'll be encouraging and all that. Uh, but if I do not get affirmation from her, I will doubt, was it any good? Yeah. And, um, and you know, I don't like, we've talked about how, you know, I don't want to put that pressure on you that, you know, you've got to always affirm me and you don't have to feel like you have to affirm me if, if you thought the sermon wasn't good, you know, like <laughs> you don't have to lie, but I'm just trying to, you know, express that's how much it means to me. Right. So, yeah, I was, what I was going to say, first of all, I've heard that a hundred thousand times. That's mm. a slight exaggeration, but I've heard that a lot. Right. From more a than lot you can of, count. Right. Uh, more than yeah. I can count um, from so many men. And the, the issue that is often kind of being missed is a, your wife, and I'm not saying your wife like Rachel, but right. like in general for a guy, your wife, A, doesn't realize how much your spirit is like dry and thirsty soul longing for that because of that question under the surface, mm -hmm. because that's not her question. She doesn't carry around the, am I any good at what I do question mm -hmm. in the same way. It That might come up, but it's sure. not like down deep. And there's a th probably a theological reason for that that we yeah, could talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, I'm already going there. <laughs> okay, good. But it's but the other thing that's going on, and I hate to like, I'll be really transparent as long as Jeff doesn't mind. Well, I think we're already going. There. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. Is I mean, candidly, it's not just that she doesn't know that a wife doesn't necessarily know what it is that will be like water for a thirsty soul to her husband. She also doesn't realize, and this is not just women, this is men and women, we don't realize how often we think these things and don't say them. Mm. One, of the re one of the research projects that we did for the Kindness Challenge, which was a book that I know you were yeah. very familiar with because yeah. you had come to Perimeter and Perimeter was helping with the research for it. Um, but one of, the, one of the surveys, one of the studies that we did for that, we were asking... Um, Everybody who took the 30-day kindness challenge, how often do you think you say something affirming mm -hmm. to your spouse? Mm -hmm. How often do you think that that's a thing in your life? And most, the average answer, most people, was about two to three times a day. That's kind of in your head. Mm -hmm. Part of the 30-day kindness challenge was having to say it at least once to a particular person. Like, so you're keeping track of, am I actually doing this or not? And once people started doing it, they realized, oh my gosh, it's actually two to three times a week. Yeah. It's not as often as I think. It's not as often yeah. as I think. And so there's two strikes there that cause issues is that yeah. we don't realize what the other person <laughs> needs as affirmation. And we're thinking these things and don't say them. I mean, Jeff, this is poor Jeff. I do not know how he has put up with me for all these years, but like the poor guy will be out there mowing the lawn for some reason in Atlanta. Jeff like <laughs> likes mowing the lawn. Like it's 90, miserable. Heat, it's yeah. miserable in the summer. And yet he still wants to do it himself. I don't get it, but okay. Like, Cheap. 
It's okay. <laughs> there you go. And so he will be out there in 98 degree heat mowing the lawn for a few hours. And I will drive in the driveway and I'll think to myself, oh, that looks nice. Do, 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 yep. do, do. Like on about the day. Yep. And just, I don't realize that I never said anything. And so the poor guy sometimes has to, and any woman who's seen this, now you know why. He comes some, sometimes so has to come up. So uh, did you notice that I did, I did the hedges? Yeah. Uh, did <laughs> yeah. you notice yeah. that I, oh, oh yeah. right, like, right. Fishing. Fishing, fishing man, yeah. fishing. So, yeah. so. Why don't you tell that illustration, if if we if we could, yeah. that we've heard many many times from men when they talk about men of a certain age, mm. my age, <laughs> of when they were a little boy, and and it's really we've heard this from several guys. Mm. Yeah, it was it was interesting doing some of the the interviews with men. It was weird sometimes how often we would hear the same word picture, mm. like they would say. Here's what it feels like to be a guy. It feels like this. And it was the same illustration. And so one of those illustrations was guys who would say, like, do you remember when we were all really little and you would make an ashtray in craft class? And now I have to speak to anybody who's under the age of 40 and say, yes, we did actually make ashtrays in craft For class. For our parents to I, show how much we love them. I'm, I'm 42 and I'm thinking, I don't think I ever did that. Yeah, like, that you're must right. have been right before you're right my... You're right on the edge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, gosh, it's probably age 45 and below now. Yeah. Uh, I'm dating myself, but... but that was a thing. Like you would make, you'd make something, you'd make an ashtray or whatever. And the way that these guys described it is like, of course they're six years old. Right. And they're like, it's all wonky and the color ran and it's all like misshapen. But the guys described, like they made this thing and they're carrying it home. This guy was this one guy was like, it's like, I'm carrying this home to my mom mm -hmm. And it's this precious thing that I've done. Mm -hmm. And my heart is like beating wildly because I'm so anxious and keyed up and excited. And I'm holding up for the inspection of the most important woman in my life, just longing to hear her say, oh, great job, buddy. Mm -hmm. Like, this is excellent. As opposed to, it's all wonky on one side. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and the guys, the way that they describe that, they basically say we're still those little boys inside, mm. right? And mm. still holding up for inspection mm. what we do mm. to that, that most important still woman. Running so deep, hence yeah. your your preaching. Yeah, yeah. An example and, and, of and that. And that's yeah. important. What what uh, Shanti was saying there is, there's really not a a specific word that you can use as as a as a woman to the guy um, to say, you know, like for us guys, I know that Shanti longs to hear the words. I love you. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, the kind of counterpart to that, as Shanti was learning in all of the research, is how much guys appreciate respect or oh, need yeah. respect. Oh, yeah. So in the early days of the research, she would come up to me at random times throughout the day and say, you know, Jeff, I so respect you. And I'd go... <laughs> Okay, good to know. And Thanks, yeah. babe. And after a couple of weeks of this, I finally had to go, you know, I get where you're going with this, and I, I really do appreciate it, but those actual words, yeah. 
they don't do it for me. Yeah. And yeah, not yeah. The, they're not equivalent to I love you. I don't know what they are. Well, we found sure. what they were. What they, we found actually that for a guy, his equivalent is thank you. Mm. That's statistically mm. what ended up being the equivalent. Like, thanks for mowing the lawn. Yeah. Looks great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Looks, yeah. it sounds crazy, yeah. but it is. That for yeah. a guy is like So a you're, big deal. you're bringing up a big, a really important point that I've been kind of mulling over here is that, of course, of course, every one of us, male or female, need words of affirmation. Mm. Now, men tend to need it more, right? Um, but what do we do in terms of how do we show the little things? And that's what you guys are getting at. And I, I want to think specifically, we've talked a lot about how women towards men, wives towards husbands. We got to um, do the reverse. We got to do the reverse. Do. Absolutely. <laughs> of, of, okay, for men, you know, in the same way. And again, I'll just speak to my, my marriage, you know, with Rachel, when she says, I love you to me, it means a lot more than when I say I love you to her. It means something to her. It's not like she doesn't like hearing those words, but what means a whole lot more to her is when I show her mm. that I love her in the way that I serve in the way that I, you know, die mm-hmm. to self in the way mm. that I put her needs and the needs of the family ahead of my own, those kind of things where, because I love you holds very little weight if it's not accompanied with, with that, with those actions, right. Yeah. With those acts of service. So, um, yeah, talk to me about that. What do, what do you in your research and in, in all that you all have studied and written? What do you see in that? Yeah, I mean, well, the actions are are critical in this, and and we always tell the guys that you know the the ability that they have to show their wife that they love her. Um, they're always going, how do I do that? What's that look like? And we've already, I always say, you know, you guys already know. You're already experts mm. at that. And it's it's summed up in one word, pursuit. Mm. And most guys will go, okay, can you unpack that a little? <laughs> yeah, they get the confused look on their what face. Do you it's mean? Like, what do you mean yeah. by that? And, yeah. I, and I say, it's frankly, it's what you did to make her fall in love with you mm. in the first place. Yeah. It's pursuing her. And then most guys also get that alarmed look on their face and go, that was hard work. <laughs> it was exhausting. We got kids now. I right. got a job. Right. You know, how in the world can you expect me to do that? And that's not what they're expecting at all. Yeah. What they're expecting is pursuing what's important and what matters to them and, and just applying it. Mm-hmm. And it's as simple. Honestly, it's as simple as sending a text message in the middle of your busy day and going, today has stunk. Mm-hmm. I... You know, got I got these three emails that just deflated me. I I can't wait to get home and yeah. see you. Yeah. You're such a great wife. Yep. I'm so thankful that you're there. It's something like that. Yep. It is powerful. Yep. It is one of the biggest. If one of the biggest issues for women is not realizing just how much insecurity there is and vulnerability there is under the surface of their husband. One of the biggest issues for men that we've seen is not realizing that the wife's question of, am I lovable, doesn't go away just because they got married. Right. Because for a guy, you feel, oh, thank goodness we're married now. You feel so she knows secure. I love her. You feel secure yeah. in this. You feel like, okay, now I've got this great home base. And now, yeah, I have other things to be concerned about, like other things to put my attention to because this is secure. Yeah. And you don't realize that there's no switch in a woman's brain 
that gets flipped to the, oh, now I feel permanently loved position, right? right. right? Totally secure. Yeah, right. the question, yep. that question in our heart, it doesn't stop being there right. any more than your question as a guy. It doesn't stop being there. It just sort of morphs to, okay, now we're married. Does he really love me? Mm. And is he glad he married me? And would he choose me all over does again? He, does he still love me? Does he still right. love me? That's a question, by the way, that as I've you know, led guys over the years, that uh, comes up fairly often. My wife keeps asking me, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you still love me? And it, and, and they're irritated. They're mm. frustrated, right? Um, but that's it. That's what you're talking about. <laughs> yes. That's that's the deep longing of the woman's heart, right? Is, am I lovable? And some of that she has to deal with, but, mm-hmm. but a lot of it is that the husband is saying, I love you. But then there's not, you know, there, there maybe, perhaps, there's, a real lack of, but there's no there's no demonstration of that. There's no middle of the day text to give, to use your example that kind of thing. So. We always tell when we do marriage events. One of the examples that's like the simplest example is to help them recognize that when they were dating, it wasn't about the stuff they did. It was the message they were sending every day. Mm. I'm choosing you today. Mm. I love you today. I adore you today. And you can send that message just by reaching across and taking her hand when you're walking through a parking lot. Yeah. Like that says that. Yeah. And guys don't realize, oh, wait, it's that simple? Yeah. But they just don't realize how needed it is. This is not just like optional. Yeah. This is what it means. And and the other difficulty that we have in this is that certain events come up in your relationship that can that well, where I said earlier that that insecurity, that question may be dormant or in the back of your mind, certain events occur in a husband and wife relationship <laughs> that sometimes aren't always so great and cause that, that anxiety or that, that insecurity to come to the front part on, of your brain. On either side. Yes, on either, yeah. on either yeah. side. So let's just say in Shanti and my case, it's, it's an argument right. that we have over breakfast. And then I look at my watch, and I've got a client that I have to go meet. Yep. So I, we excuse ourselves. It's unresolved. The argument is there. I back out of the, the driveway in the car, and that thought about that argument for me has just gone away mm. as I am now preparing for the client meeting. But for Shanti, something else has happened. It's like it, it's that question Mm. has been triggered, yeah. right? So now it's like, ah, are we okay? Yeah. And it's going to circle until there's some reassurance. And he's off at work. He has no idea. Mm. Because for most of us guys, we're not troubled by that question. Yeah. So we're able to push it push aside. It away. Yeah. And so it makes all the difference in the world yeah. for a guy to know this. Again, this is all about just the knowledge of these little things and to know, oh, wait, like it makes a huge difference if I say before I get in the car, okay, I'm angry. Look, we, I got to get to work, but we're okay. Like, we'll talk about it tonight. Mm. Whew, yeah. Like that changes everything. It's this little bitty yeah. thing, yeah. but it dramatically changes the emotional temperature in the marriage. Which, gosh, I think about that and I go, wow. One little phrase, hey, we're okay. Yeah. Yep. We'll talk about it can make all the difference because what what's the tendency of certainly my heart and our heart as men, but and certainly women at some level too, is uh, let's just keep going with that example. 
fight in the morning, right? Disagreement in the morning. Uh, don't leave it with, Hey, we're okay, but let's talk tonight. Uh, you, you, you kind of, you go about your day, you come home and the woundedness is still there. So you stonewall, you ignore, you just, you just kind of give her the cold shoulder or whatever or whatever. And it's like, you know, and then when it does come up again, maybe two, three days later, it's, it's festered into this wasp's nest in the heart, right? To where it's like, oh my goodness, now we're really, uh, really dealing with a, you know, horrible issue here, as yeah. opposed to that one little phrase, hey, we're okay. Let's yeah. talk tonight. Could have totally alleviated the pain. You know, it, the it, pain, pain yeah. and the silliness. I, I've lived this with myself. I will go through those two or three or longer days of being at odds with Shanti. I'm not like enjoying my going through my days. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm upset. I'm Dis- in gr- discomfort. Yep. I had a friend um, in a men's group that I was part of, um, and he he lost his wife several years ago mm. to um, cancer. Mm. And in this group, one of the guys was talking about um, a- an issue that he and his wife had just kind of experienced, and it was kind of you know they'd gotten sideways on something, right. and they'd argued, and and this friend who had lost his wife said, you know, when Julie was first diagnosed with liver cancer, um, here's what we learned, is that in light of a terminal illness, a whole lot of those things that we argued about Mm. beforehand really didn't seem to have much worth or much impact or we just didn't want to do it. And and the truth of the matter is we all have a terminal illness. Mm. We're all going to, we're not going to make it out of this world alive. Right. Yet we don't realize that. And I think if we can take a, a kind of a, a healthy look of our mortality and that this person may not be there yeah. next year, we don't yeah. know. Yeah. And I think some of these stupid little things. Puts it into perspective. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. You know, Rachel and I just went, and I'll, I'll use this as a, um, a little shameless plug for my dear friend, David Robbins, who is the uh, president of Family <laughs> Life, love but David. yeah, um, but Family Life is a wonderful ministry. And Rachel and I just uh, just last month went and did a weekend to remember out in Arizona, and they do them all over the country. They're doing one here in Atlanta, I think, in April, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, go to their website, check that out. But they're wonderful uh, weekends uh, where you get away with your spouse, and lots of good teaching, and then lots of good time built into the weekend to to just talk with your spouse and, and work through things and just have a great time together. We get to the end of the weekend and we've gone through some of the process and, you know, Rachel and I've been married 20, 20 years, like I said. And for the most part, we, we count our, our blessings. We thank the Lord often uh, for the fact that f- for the most part, our marriage has been very healthy and very good and very non-eventful. And we really don't fight that much. And it's just been, you know, we're grateful. We get to the end of it, though, and as we walk through some of the things that they've given us to walk through, we realize, okay, the two things we really need to take out of this weekend to focus on and to grow in, and here are the two, intentionality and communication. Mm. And, and I go, I, we're sitting there talking, and I went, how have we been married for 20 years, and these are still the two things, right? Because in year one, 
when we before year one, when we're doing premarital counseling, guess what the two things those were, were the two things: <laughs> intentionality and communication. And the the interesting thing is, is it was a just it was nothing new. It wasn't like oh my goodness, never thought about that, or you know, whole new page has been turned in our marriage. It was just simply how have we settled back into yeah. new rhythms of lack of intentionality and communication, right? It's not, it, we, we, we had some rhythms back here where we were like, okay, we've dealt with that. And, but now you've settled into another ditch over here. And, and what Rachel communicated to me that was so helpful is she said, I just need to feel like you want me as a part of your world because you're you're at the church, you're doing your thing at the church. I'm doing my thing with the kids. I'm driving them around. I'm taxi driver. I'm getting them to 800 different practices. And most of the time, I don't know what you're up to. And does it bother you that you don't know what I'm up to? And then we talk at the end of the day, or we'll text some throughout the day. But in large part, we're living two different realities yeah. Monday through Friday. And it. The, the lack of intentionality of saying, hey, here's what I've got going on tomorrow. Here's what um, I'd love for you to be praying about. And, hey, I'm going to shoot you a text after that meeting let you know how it goes. And do you have any thoughts about that meeting mm. and any insight? That's so good. Right? Like those mm. kind of things that I just was not doing. And, um, and here I am 20 years into marriage going, how? <laughs> I thought I was, I thought I had grown I more I, than that, yes. right? You know? So. And, you know, one of the things that uh, we often have started to do is in, in the events where we're speaking at, at, a, at a conference, and I'll say, you know, fact of the matter is when you leave these doors tonight, we're not, you know, we don't think that you're going to remember everything. But the truth of the matter is you're probably going to forget 95% of what we've told you in the last couple of hours. Mm-hmm. The fact is that if you want this stuff to be part of your life and to change how you do things, you need to do it in community. Mm. You need to yeah. have information is great, but wisdom is gained in community and living life together mm. in a small group setting with other couples. Which helps you be intentional, it right? Helps it helps you with be all intentional. Those yep. The yeah. the um, the issue that that you're talking about obviously is. Everybody, right? right? Like everybody has that. And one of the things that was really encouraging a number of years ago that we found in um, one of our research projects, it was a very fun project actually, because we were studying what makes the happiest couples so happy. Mm. Like it was really, it was really quite interesting to like sit down with all these really happy couples and like compare them and figure out like, what are they doing differently? Like there's something Mm -hmm. there. And they themselves, as we interviewed the first ones, they didn't know why. Oh yeah. I mean, it was just kind of, I'm sure they're just going to communicate, but they couldn't explain. Or we're intentional, but they couldn't explain what that meant. And one of the things that turns out that intentionality means is that you put the effort into making sure that you are each other's best friend. Mm. That's one of the things that it means. And one of the ways to do that is literally just to hang out with each other. We've, we've all heard, and it's true. It's not like it's bad. We've heard that a date night is really important, right? But it turns out the happiest couples, that wasn't necessarily their thing. They Mm. just hung out in all sorts of ways, like whatever. I mean, it could be as simple as like for Jeff and I, 
we will often get the kids off to whatever they're doing and then sit and have coffee in the morning before our day starts. And we're sitting there reading the news and like, oh, did you see this? And having like, I mean, it sounds so simple, but it's one way to make sure that you're spending time together and you're each other's best friend. I call it pursuing one another in the ordinary. Mm, I like that. I do too. So, you know, because that's what it is. Like, okay, what? What's going to probably be just natural part of the day anyway, and how can mm-hmm. how can I invite Rachel into it? Yeah, you know, talk about the meeting um, that you have right, coming up. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, this has been so good. In fact, I want to do a part two with you guys because it's awesome. it's almost as if uh, you know God uh, knew all this and that He had a say in it from the beginning, <laughs> and that He knew exactly what um, our deep heart longings as men and women are, and wrote about it. In Ephesians, right? So we're going to look. We're going to get a little bit more into the theological, but we'll stay practical as well in uh, in the next part. And I hope you'll stick around with us for that. But before you go, I want to make sure that we mention you guys have written several books here that you've seen on the table this whole time for women only, for men only. The good news about marriage, and then highly happy marriages. Excellent, excellent books and resources from y'all. But you've got a new project coming up, a new book that's coming up that I want you to to tell these <laughs> folks about. Thanks. We, yeah, we're excited about this and slightly trepidatious. Is trepidatious a word? <laughs> oh, it is now. It, it works. Is now? Okay, yeah, yes. sure. We, we are actually tackling as our latest research project, we're tackling the subject of intimacy nice. in marriage because yeah. it's such a, one of the big issues in marriage, right? It's a big deal. Mm. And I never thought that I would be writing a book on this topic. But, and to be clear, <laughs> because I'm a Midwesterner by, by, uh, <laughs> Um, growing up in 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 Michigan, look, we didn't talk about sex. Yeah. I mean, my, folks just didn't. Right. So this book is really going to be about the the emotional stuff under the surface that oh, gets yeah. us gets us all messed up. We're not going into the yeah. to the physiological yeah. stuff yeah. or any of that. Well, and and I'm going, man. You know, I'm reading a book right now. Uh, that sadly, in the moment, I can't think of the name of it or the author's name. That's really bad. Um, but it's about <laughs> it's about the topic of uh, the church for so long just didn't talk about it. Yeah, we didn't talk about sex and intimacy. And so, how do we actually talk about it in a way that really, really helps from um, you know for the Christian, for the churchgoer, but for people in general, obviously. Well, so. that's that's what we're trying to do. And using the same research approach, really, it's actually been a really interesting project because we've been working with somebody who I know has spoken at Perimeter many times, Dr. Michael Seitzma, mm. who is uh, one of the premier um, experts in this area of marital and sexual therapy. And we knew that on this particular topic, like we don't usually have co-authors on the research-based books, but... On this topic, we could do damage if we didn't have oh, somebody yeah. there to sort of go, okay, this is accurate, this isn't. And the thing that we're excited about is that in the the same vein that we were talking about earlier with like the men and women stuff of trying to figure out those little things that are under the surface that matter, that we don't realize matters, we've identified what those are mm. in the area of intimacy. Like what are the things that just get in the way that mm. we just have no idea and suddenly you know them and you can make a big change. And so we're super excited about that. But I'd love to ask a favor. Sure. Is that okay? Well, it's like Listen, you guys have uh you know been here blessing Perimeter Church. You've been blessing those who've been listening today. So how of course, how can we bless you and 
Do a favor. Okay. So here's here's what we know that we are going to need. If you happen to be someone who is interested in marriage and helping marriage, mm. especially if this area of intimacy is of interest to you and you see, okay, this is a need, especially, holy cow, in this culture yeah. where like yeah. you get all sorts of crazy messages. We are going to be launching this book in February. And we know that starting this fall, fall of 2022, that we are going to need to put together a launch team of people that we can trust. And I can think of nobody I would love better than fellow perimeter members and other people who are listening to this who are just passionate about it. So we would love to have anybody who's interested in being part of this launch team. It's really simple. Like mm -hmm. it is, it is going to be things like, okay, there's a group of people that are trying to attack Christian marriage authors by doing review bombing on Amazon mm. and Goodreads and whatever, because they're just mad at what Christian marriage authors are saying. Mm. And, um, you know, I get that, but a lot of it is not true. And so having people to write the real reviews on Amazon or Goodreads and to come up with things on social media that they think are particularly important from the book that really they think people need to know that kind of stuff, mm, that's cool. little simple things that's would awesome. really help. So if people are interested, um, I'd love them to go. How do they find you? What do they do? I'd love them to go to our website, which is shanti.com, S-H-A-U-N-T-I.com. Um, and just fill in a contact saying they're willing to do the, the awesome. launch team. Awesome. We'll have that in the show notes, shanti.com. Uh, we'd be great to have you guys jump in on, on, their, uh, on their launch team. Thanks for being with us. Looking forward to talking with you more for part two. Thanks for joining us. Mm -hmm.